0: The car business is rapidly changing, and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is the Dealer Playbook. All right, gang, sit down now with my pal, a long time coming, and I will preface that by saying, not his fault, mine. My my airplane, I don't know what's happening over here, my airplane falling apart these days. I don't know what's going on, but I am so excited to have my pal Lou Ramirez, CEO of Solutions at the Certified Solutionaries and co-host of the Car Guy Coffee Podcast. What up?
1: Thanks so much for joining me on the DPB what's happening how are you excited to be here thank you so much for getting this happening and I um, you've been moving and shaking too you got a lot you're brewing well you know
0: yeah, I, hey there it is the brewing brewing <laughs> solutions yeah you know what it's uh it's been a good time lots of time on the road not as much as you but um but it's been cool to watch you track you where you're going and what you're talking about and what you're doing and obviously the influence that you guys are that you have in the industry and in the community. Um, I want to, I want to start here. Um, How would you describe your mission to somebody who has never heard of you before? And, or like, you know, I think of the the individual in the car business who doesn't know that there's communities building. Like, how do you, how would you describe the mission that you're on for those listening and watching
1: Uh, to unify, the auto industry, uh, in its voice of hope and uplifting to the community, um, and and that comes with so many different layers. Uh, mainly because they're all over the place. Every automotive business, every dealership has a important role inside of the communities, and uh, with that being that, there's a giant community. It takes somebody to say, Hey, you need to be encouraged. You need to be joyful. We need to be great amongst each other. So unifying people, much like you would unify uh, a military force, uh, to be able to have the morale, the spirit of core, the, the core values, the language, the, um, the brotherhood, uh, that's the type of mobilization, uh, we are on the mission to bring, uh, while being, as much of the encouragers as we can possibly be by nature. We're encouragers. Uh, so I would guess our, our biggest mission is to encourage those in the business and encourage those that are not in the business to find themselves uh, in the great honor of being in the auto industry mm. uh, and to see uh, much like a Glenn Lundy would try to eradicate the, uh, what, right. is, what does he say? The negative uh, stigma. The negative stigma is associated with the car business, right? right. Mm-hmm. Similar in that uh, on the side of really, though, trying to help make sure people recognize who they are in this business. And it's mm. beyond the business.
0: Uh, it's clear you've put no thought into that whatsoever. <laughs> Dude. I put
1: no thought in putting that into one line. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it, what I love about it is how well you articulate some things that, I mean, obviously we've had conversations, I've been on your show before um, that we've talked about that I think our hearts and our minds align on, which is, you you said it a couple of times, the hope and encouragement. You know, I wanna dig into that a little bit. Have you always been that way? Have you always been somebody that's like open arms, like, hey, come on in, hope, hope, hope. Things aren't as bad as they seem. Or is that something that you notice develop? Like, when do you feel like you got clarity that, hey, this is what I want to do with my life?
1: Oh, that, well, a couple pieces there. So, being the the energetic, happy, hopeful person, that really came on the other side of the cross. Um, mm. I used to be a very angry, very mad, uh, very uh, unapproachable, looking for a fight street kid. Mm. That's who wow. I was. Um, I'm I'm a New Yorker. Uh, registered member of the almighty Latin King and Queen nation um, and kids change your world. <laughs> so did, uh <laughs> jail bars. Um, <laughs> a few right. things made the adjustments, but nothing like the cross. Um, so the, the hope and the shift and the change of being an uplifter uh, to the community, you know, started when I recognized how forgiven I was um, and, and, that I, I didn't have anything to hold against anybody. If my God doesn't hold anything against me and my children don't need to learn from the angry kid, Lou, they need to learn from the one that was transformed uh, by the blood. And from there, um, it that's where the, the hope and the joy I've done ministry and outreach for years before getting in the car business in my military career. Um, but then in the auto industry, then it was more of how to remain uh, remain a husband, remain a father, remain a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, while remaining successful in an upward trajectory in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that, uh, you know, kind of kind of gelled as as I matured and grew up. Um, mm. But but I would say that the the joyful, hopeful Lou uh, came after the cross and and getting yeah. involved in youth ministry and family ministry, just ministering to my family.
0: Hmm. Let's. <laughs> I got I can't okay. Okay. I, I you got me going here.
1: <laughs> okay. You got go. me going let's here. Go.
0: um I want to start where you ended. The family ministry. I I can't tell you man like how many people I've met who and this translates to leadership in the car business where Absolutely. they're like I want to be the best leader of this business I possibly can. And then they suck at home. And it's like, dude, how are you going to lead a business? If you're struggling to lead your family, family is actually, in my opinion, family is the harder thing to lead than a business. And so I love that you stated focusing on this ministry for those that are believers, how you see that, that stewardship that you have for your family is, is inspiring and I hope that those are that that are watching or listening key in on that that uh, how important a role it is to be a minister to your family to take care of their needs and how the and then the trickle out effect of that i think is is tremendous um
1: and, and I don't want you to think that it's always i've always been great at that even um, I'm know, not great at it today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, yeah and I can't even say that they were fine. The title great for it today. Right. Right. Um, right. But, but in that, there's been a lot of maturity, a lot of growth and a lot of, you know, you, you only have so many fathers in your life, people that can correct you and, t- and can say, Hey, look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, even those fathers had to mature in different ways, whether they were spiritual fathers on the ministry side, um, or f- fathers and leaders and big brothers in the car business. Um, It's it's very easy for us to say, man, it's it it's so important that you do have that, and how come that's an issue? And and a piece of the issue would be that, you know, it was praised if you gave your all and then neglected your family to find success. Um, But even in doing ministry, I found myself, man, I'm I'm ignoring my first ministry, and I had to have that corrected. You know, I'm out here trying to save the youth in the street, and Mm -hmm my kids are wondering where dad's at. What do you mean he's not at work? How come he's not here with us? You know? Right. And so in that you have to learn over time, okay, well, if ministry doesn't trump my family ministry and work doesn't trump my family ministry, um well, how do I find that how do I find that balance and how do I make sure that it's correlated that everything I'm doing when I'm not home is for you anyway, you know? And uh but uh but it wasn't always that way. it took a lot of a lot of learning and man it takes takes a good wife and some understanding kids and then uh but then for to also keep it real with you you know um, wow. it's, it, take, well, it, it, it takes it takes a lot to grow
0: and, and you know i I think the for the person listening in that's like, oh here we go again, you know, save your complex I think that the highlight for me is that no. It's not a savior complex. Like, I don't think I can save anybody. I'm not powerful enough and divine enough to be able to save people. But there is this intrinsic as you choose to follow and and as you have tasted mm-hmm. of the good fruit, mm-hmm. you desire so deeply for others to taste that same thing and experience that same thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you find a good cup of coffee. Aren't you telling everybody where the coffee shop's at? huh? <laughs> New York just came out You know what's going on If you find good pizza you're going to tell everybody Where the pizza is you know I mean same thing That new restaurant opens Guess what you ain't getting in there for two months Because everybody's finding out about it You know the the, the same thing It's uh, When you find something good You taste and then you see Mm. How good Oh man you are trying to tell everybody Or at least get those that you're close to To drink and to eat it too You know
0: do you think that the the pandemic, you know, the COVID nineteen deal, do you think that accelerated the acceptance of God-based conversations in the workplace? Because I mean, like you and I both came up in a time where it was like, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion. Did you notice a shift at all?
1: Hmm. Um I that's a great question. I can't say that I that I would necessarily Say that it would it would be the COVID thing because the COVID thing put more people at arms at them going to worship. Mm. You know, it, it caused more of a polarization. And if anything, it caused more people to leave the um, the assembling that like so mm. many left the assembling during COVID. Right. Yep. Many didn't find their way back. They they're still doing this. They're still streaming. Right. Service. right. They're not coming together like they used to. They recognized uh, either their their need for something different and more genuine at home or what was already kind of a convenient box to check. They now get to check it without mm-hmm. ever leaving the living room, okay. leaving right, the kitchen. right. Um, so. So with that, I don't necessarily think that it that it added. I think what it was already something that was beginning. It was already something okay. that was happening. More and more people were beginning to start. Sharing their faith because daggone it, there's a whole lot of other garbage going on. Why am I getting pinned down for sharing my faith? You know, in um, in the car business, I, I gotta say, it's uh, I've never been the guy to not share my faith, you know, I've, I've never not done that. Have people seen uh, reasons to not believe in my God because of my flaws? Of course, they do in all of us, um, but I've never, you know, like never not been loud about my Jesus, you know, I've I've been very (laughs) active about how much I love my God and, uh, and even sometimes prideful, you know what I mean? When, when I'm sitting there leading the board, sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's that Jesus juice, you know what I mean? And then next month it's like, man, I shouldn't have said that. All right. my bad. (laughs) That's awesome. uh, But yeah, I think that, that if anything, it's been something that's been pinned up. And more and more believers are starting to say, "If why can't I? If there's everything else is allowed, right. why is hope? Why is joy? Why is my faith something that's suppressed?" And uh, I think that, that that this has been coming. Uh, I don't know if COVID necessarily added to it. If anything, I, f- I feel like they reduced the church attendance. Uh, mm, gotcha it still affected that. Yeah. No, I love
0: how how, how you put that. I, I definitely noticed the same thing in personal attendance. But to your point on the flip side of it, I love how you said this pent up like people were already feeling it. But now, like the openness, I mean, you just came back from a car church conference. Like I've never heard of anything like that happening in our industry ever before. And, and now all of a sudden, like you said, I think this this like pent up. I need to express my faith somehow and be in this industry. We're seeing more and more people people standing up and saying, yeah, like i here's, here's the group I must align with. Um, I want to, I want to transition a little bit. CEO of solutions at certified solutionaries. Yes. As you maneuver through the day to day of the car business and all of the things that are pressing against car dealers, as you go in store and offer your counsel and your strategies and whatnot, First of all, I mean, what is the what would you say are some of the common problems that require solutions like like you walk in? You're like, there it is again. And then maybe some of the solutions you offer to to mitigate.
1: Uh, The number one thing is that if we walk into a store is one of our first questions is often, hey, tell me what your process is. We'll ask everybody that from every single manager to every single salesperson. What is your process? and wait for them to go, well, first, we're going to pull you in. We're going to talk a little bit. I'm going to show you a couple cars. I'm going to ask you, you know, this. And then maybe if, you know, everything's going good, I might get you inside. We might start the application. Then I'm like, like, cool. I'm not asking you to tell me step by step what you do. Just tell me what your (laughs) process is, right? Uh, Just like if a customer is standing in line saying, well, what's different about you than anybody else? What comes out of your mouth? Man, we got the deals. Okay. Everybody's got the deals. What is your process to helping me and seeing what comes out of their mouth and just about, I would say, 100 percent of the time. I mean, I can't say we've ran into anywhere yet that it's been the same out of two people's mouths. It's 100 percent different out of each and every person's mouth. So that's always the first thing to. And that's usually the easy given. I mean, that's the come on. This is easy. This is, you know, this is peewee ball to look Right. right back at the owner or whoever brings us in to say, see what we're saying you know this is exactly what has to happen let's get uniformed at least in how we explain how we help somebody um and so that's always one there is no process number two there generally isn't a setup for personal development across the board we don't have a a design for that that's something that was um instilled in the military every single piece of the military is, is continued education, continued education, continued education, whether you're taking correspondence courses or you're taking real academic courses for a college, you're, you're doing constant training or re-upping on the training you already have. If it's throwing a grenade to know, knowing how to turn the wrench on your on your your uh, your Humvee to your your uh, M1A1 Abrams, whatever right. it is, right. you're doing constant training um, even to the physical. Uh, So that that's the the other side is that so you wouldn't know the process. Nobody can explain it. There isn't personal development. And then from there, because there isn't personal development, it usually kind of runs in tandem with there's no regimented training. So we don't know who's really the Mm -hmm. trainer. Sometimes we're training. uh, Sometimes we're not. Uh, We have this product, but we don't really know how it works. Um, All of these different things. And so those three things, the no process, no personal development, no training. That's usually the very first things that we can zero in on and, and then start to get everybody collectively saying, yeah, you know what? We probably would be better if we knew our process. If we were being personally developed and challenged on all levels of our life and we trained consistently without fail, we trained because, oh, yeah, that's right. We're professionals, right? That's what professionals do is they do find the way to to train, to have a process and do that, except in automotive. Right. (laughs) This is the one industry we can kind of get away with it um, and uh, and keep it the same old same old. Uh, but that that's those would be the three main things I would say
0: um, what branch what branch of the the services did you w- serve with?
1: I was an army I was a logistic sergeant
0: oh oh okay so now I'm glad I asked this because now i'm I'm kind of piecing the the way you answered that together. Um, first of all, thank you deeply thank you for your service um, I have a a buddy here in my neighborhood actually, who, who served. And one thing he said to me, and I'd love your, your thoughts on this to the point of training. He said, you're either deployed or you're training to be deployed. Like there's, there's never a moment in time that you're not training and, or then executing the training, your thoughts on that. And then maybe a, a, a second question to that, which is, well, how does, How do you ingrain in a person the desire and or desire to be disciplined to train consistently?
1: Okay, so first question would be on the side of training to train and then to be deployed. You're always training for that because that is the course. The inside of the military, you're only training to do the job that you're employed to do. So you're constantly working at that or constantly inside of a state of readiness for the deployment Mm. and um and that correlates exactly to the car business because you're you're you should be consistently training prepping getting yourself ready for when said customer sits in front of you at that point it's action time and you're at war for them not against them Mm. right that's the level of service that you have to switch it for when when wearing that military uniform anybody i saw I, i i especially when first fresh out of training, you know, and you're all whoa, and you're so excited and you're so proud to be an American, right? They play that (laughs) at all your spots and you're so excited. And then, and, but you, you stand next to people and you're like, you don't even understand. I go, I'm doing what I'm doing for you. And I'm never going to get a thank you. And I'm not looking for a thank you. We're not looking for that, but we're here committed to serve you. Where can I help? Where can I go? There were so many different, um, on my drive back home after basic train, uh, AIT training, There were just these different accidents and I kept wanting to be like, let me get out. Let me go help. Let me go find a way to help. And it's like, man, that would be ridiculous if I jumped in and helped everywhere there was an issue. But that's where your heart gets to. So that gets ingrained in you that you're prepared to serve. And that's something that in the industry we have to remember that it isn't us against the person on the other side of the table. This is a round table that we're really on the same side of. And we are here to combat the forces preventing you from achieving your transportation goals. Mm. And uh, so, so, yes, we're, I would 1 million percent agree. You're training for deployment. Right. right. And if you're not deployed, hallelujah. Right. I hope I never have to use this this weapon. I hope I never have to use these fists. Sure. But if we got to, we the baddest on sure. the planet. Right. You better know how to use them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then on the other one, how do you instill that that, uh, that into somebody's mind? Well, that has to get instilled. And so it's a it's a leadership decision that somebody then grafts themselves into no different than the military. I this is a volunteer army, just like the car business. I I volunteered to go in and submitted myself to say, you tell me what I got to do to become a soldier. What do I got to do? Okay, well, this is what we're going to do. Well, this is what we got to do. And guess what they turned me into? A soldier, right? I submitted to their process and I went with it, and then eventually I had habits. Instilling a thought that has to become habitual can't be done; it has to be disciplined. So it has to be a consistent discipline until now. I don't know what to do if I'm not training. I remember going to different dealers, and especially the uh, the last dealership Fred and I worked at. We uh, we were there for eight nine years, and my first year in there, I was diligent about trying to hunt out different places, different uh, whether it's Joe Verdi, whether it was the Mark Tuarts, whether it was the Grant Cardone's finding these different places I can go to get trained, even in, you know, in management position, because there's nothing out there for managers. Right. Um, and so in just because it was a habit, a habit of I have to get I have to be training if I'm not training to go to the next level. There won't be a next level for me, um, even if I'm happy where I'm at. And I was happy. I had a cush job, man. I had a creative <laughs> cush job. able to do what I wanted to do. But there was more. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it was easy. It, at that point, it became too easy. And then there's no challenge. You know, it's, it's Rocky. It's Rocky three. You know, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, what am I going to do? There's nobody. I'm, I'm winning all the titles, knocking everybody out, you know, and there ain't no clubber lane. Not in our neck of the woods. You know what I mean? So, but uh, I mean, yeah, there has to be a habitual desire to get better that is built in you. And that take, and that takes training. You know, it, take, it takes somebody training that into you.
0: I love how you use the, the visual of grafting into. I've never actually heard it put that way before or, or, or shared in that way. Like, no, you know, we often say, well, oh, well, it's top down leader has to make the exam, the, you know, whatever the decision, but to say, okay, well then, but what happens after the leadership makes the decision is there as a steward of the, the field and the crop seeking ways to graft you in, which is a process in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I love how you, how you, uh, articulate that, um, boy. There, there's so much I want to unpack. I'm not going to do this to you. I saw your granddaughter, the cutest no, cheeks ever.
1: Oh, it's all good. She's she's being good nap time. I'm just going to be loud inside. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, how can those How can those listening or watching learn more about Certified Solutionaries? Check out the podcast and and connect with you.
1: Uh, go to certifiedsolutionaries.com. Uh, You can reach me by email at Lou at carguycoffee.com or Fred at carguycoffee.com. Either one of us, you can get a hold of us and go to carguycoffee.com and check out the podcast, get some coffee, maybe get you a little bit of a swag pack. Um, But anywhere on social, you can find us. Uh, You can find me and uh, just look for Lou Ramirez. I'm the one that's always looking like this, (laughs) right? I'm always uh, smiling, a little animated and, uh, just trying to trying to bring a smile to people's face but yeah just any one of those uh 321 fred lou you can dial that and get a hold of us no way is it really yeah yeah Ah. yeah it's Ah. easy to remember (laughs) 301
0: fred lou 321 321 oh dang it's even three it's even a countdown yeah 321 fred lou That's dope, dude. Hey, man, thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you.
0: I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague.